This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. For even though you walk through the darkest valley, And in the shadow of death, fear no evil, for I am with you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. For if you belonged to the world, it would have loved you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. For this time, I have told you these things, so that in me, you may have peace. For in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hey, New Life, it's so good to be together separately, but in this one place once again. And we're going to continue in this series we started last week, taking a look at this life of a guy named Joseph. And so as we get started, I just wonder, have you ever had that awkward moment when you realize you were far more into someone than they were into you? That's not a fun place to be. Like once upon a time, I was totally smitten with this girl and I was like in deep like with her for like a year and a half and just never had the courage to express my feelings or tell her how I felt about her. And so finally I had the courage talking with one of my good friends and he's like, you just have to go for it. And I I finally let her know how I felt in the minute I said the words, I knew it wasn't going to go well. I could just read the body language and it was such a bummer. Because had I really been paying attention in the relationship that we did have, I would have realized that it, it wasn't going to be reciprocated. Like she never returned the, the letters that I wrote when we were away for school. And she just would always forget to call me back when I would leave messages. And Oh, it was tough. Like the reality was she was just not that into me. And I should have paid attention to that book that was written like a decade and a half ago where, where this guy was writing a book and he called it He's just not that into you. If only I'd read that and changed the pronouns from my context, maybe I would have figured it out. But, but I wonder, have you, have you ever felt like that with God? Like you look at your life, you look at your story, your circumstance, your situation, and, and you wonder if maybe he's forgotten about you. You're like, like, God, if you're so great and if you're so for me, then why is this happening? Why is life going the way it's going? Or why, why are things getting difficult or hard or taking a left turn? Why am I going through the things that I'm going through today? Because I think if we're just going to be honest, sometimes it can feel like he's just not that into us. And so as we jump into Joseph's story today, we're, we're going to take a look at something that happens in his story. And, and I got I to gotta believe that for Joseph it would have just maybe felt like that for him. I mean, being sold by his brothers into slavery 
and then suddenly winding up in a place as a slave in another person's home, that doesn't sound like God's really blessing your life. I mean, if anything, I think Joseph could have easily been thinking, I don't know if God's that into me. And yet the reason we're looking at his story is because I think in his story we can discover hope for our stories today. And so last week what we saw was that just because something breaks doesn't mean that God's dreams for our lives are over. And so let's, let's see what happens in, in this next chapter of Joseph's life. If this is like a series we're watching on TV, here's episode two. And, and so this is what happens. Joseph is now gone to Egypt as a slave. And we're told that when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And yet the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. And so, okay, maybe God hasn't forgotten about Joseph. Maybe, maybe God hasn't just given up to him. Maybe God has some bigger purpose in all of the circumstances, but we still don't know that yet in the story. But what we know is that Joseph kind of rises to the top in this place. So Potiphar noticed this. He noticed that somehow God was blessing Joseph, even though he arguably didn't even believe in this God. And he realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. And so this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. And he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. I mean, this is a good purchase if you're Potiphar. This guy's awesome. And whatever this God is that's at work in his story, it's going great for me. And I think there's something really brilliant that we see going on with Joseph and God in the story and, and a dynamic that was at work there. And, and I think like, maybe just pause for a minute, a little sidebar here. Like, what if we were known the way Joseph was known as followers of Jesus? Like, what, what if that's how we represented him in, in the context where we went to? Like, instead of being known as those people who hold up the signs and point the fingers of anger at our culture, what, what if we were known for actually being good like how much influence can we have in the lives of other people and, and help them meet this Jesus who's changed our stories? I mean, that's just something to think about from this one little part of the story. But, but let's just jump back into the story and see what else is going to happen here because things are going to take a weird turn again in Joseph's life. And so this is what we see. We see that Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. And so apparently Joseph was a good looking dude. Like if he had an online profile, he would have gotten a lot of likes. And, and so here's Potiphar's wife paying attention and she's swiping right. Like, Joseph, I like you. I like you. And, and yet Joseph realizes this isn't a good thing. And so Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. And he has held back nothing from me except you because you're his wife in case you didn't have that figured out. And he says, how could I do such a wicked thing? 
And it would be a great sin against God. So it's not just that I'm looking out for Potiphar. This isn't something that God would want for me. And so Joseph shuts her down. But this woman is tenacious. So we see that she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. And so one day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. And so she came and grabbed his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. So Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. And man, she can't take a hint in this relationship that's going on. Apparently, she didn't read the book either. Hey, he's just not that into you. And so when she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. And soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but, but I screamed. And when he heard my scream, he ran outside and got away. But he left his cloak behind with me. And see, there's that saying that's out there, like, the hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Um, apparently, it also applies to a woman who's been spurned. And so she's making up a story about him now. And so she kept, kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. And then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come and fool around with me. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. See, now, this is the moment in the story where you would expect Joseph to be vindicated. I mean, he's been a good guy and he's done the right thing. I mean, he's looked out for Potiphar's interest, even trying to protect Potiphar's own marriage. And he stood up for what God wants from him. So what should happen when a person does the right thing? When a person who's striving to live for God is wrongfully accused of something they didn't do? Like, what should happen? I mean, I mean, shouldn't it be that Potiphar can see through this whole lie that she's making up? Because he knows Joseph. He knows not just his worth. He knows his character. And shouldn't it be that God would vindicate Joseph and, and make sure that the truth came out in this moment? Like, this is where Joseph would get a promotion. Or maybe even better yet, Potiphar was so moved with the integrity of Joseph that he says, I'm going to release you back to, here's your freedom. You're free to go. And and this is the scene in the movie where Joseph comes running back home and as he gets close, his dad sees him and there's this huge embrace and he looks at his brothers and he's like, oh, you guys, and then cue the music. Except that this isn't a Disney movie. Now, this is a real story about a real person. And this is what happens. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph and how he had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained. And I look at the story and, and I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of confused right now. I'm confused because, I mean, if God loves Joseph, if God is really into him, why is this happening to Joseph? See, I think because that's the question we wrestle with when life knocks us down, isn't it? Why is this happening? Like, God, why aren't you into me right now? You see, now, I, I get it if I get in trouble for doing something stupid. 
Like facing the consequences because of dumb choices I've made, that shouldn't surprise anyone. But getting in trouble for doing the right thing? I mean, what's up with that? And let's not forget the whole context for this story. Joseph's in this situation in the first place because God let his brother sell him into slavery. Like, God, where were you then? And so this is a bit of a confusing story to make sense of. But let's, let's forget just for this moment. Let's forget just for a moment that Joseph got in trouble for doing the right thing. Let's put that on pause because I think there's something else that just totally amazes me about Joseph in this story. Like, why? Why? Why did he choose to do the right thing in a seriously screwed up situation and circumstance in his life? Like, like Joseph chooses to do the right thing when arguably he had no reason to do the right thing. He had no reason to want to do what God would have wanted from him. I mean, he goes from being favorite son to slave in an instant. From outward appearances, it would seem as if God has abandoned him, that God has allowed something to happen, that God's not into him. So why doesn't Joseph go for it when she comes for him? Like, why doesn't he just choose to grab some bit of pleasure in this miserable moment of his life? Because that's easy to do, isn't it? Like, when life sucks, when we've been knocked down when things aren't going our way, like why not grab some pleasure to at least get me through this moment? Like, why be kind to that person who's only ever been a jerk to you? What benefit is that to you? Or why choose to give our best in a situation that's putting us in the worst of situations or circumstances? Like why give my best when I can just zoom it in right now? Or why be honest when it might actually cost me, when, when if I just simply choose to stretch the truth, I may gain something in doing that. Or why put down that thing that's given me so much comfort? Why, why put down the bottle when it's helping me feel better, at least for a little while? Or why be faithful when they haven't been? And see, I think in those moments, what, what's so easy to do is say, hey, if no one's looking out for me, then I have to look out for me. I have to make sure that I'm taken care of. And if we're going to be really honest, I think sometimes it's, God, if you're not going to take care of me, then forget you. Like, if you're not going to look out for me, then I am going to make sure that I am taken care of. And see, I think that's what's also confusing to me and somewhat surprising is to see what Joseph chooses to do in this moment. Like, why doesn't he go for it? And I think maybe some of the confusion is because we're misunderstanding what this story is about as we look at it. Because I think it's easy to look at a story like this and think that this is a story about whether or not God loves Joseph. But see, I don't really think that's what this story is about, actually. I think what this is about, this is not a story of whether or not God loves Joseph. I think this is a story about whether or not Joseph loves God. Like, will he trust God? Will he honor him? Will he follow him? Even when it doesn't make sense. And see, I, I think sometimes that's, that's something we don't always ask ourselves. And 
in this journey of walking with Jesus and following after God's heart. I don't think we always ask ourselves this question, do I love God? I think most of the time we get hung up on the question of whether or not God loves us. Like, God, what's going on with my life? This is crazy. Don't you love me? Aren't you into me? And when we stumble through life hung up on that question, do you love me? I think it's so easy for us to miss the point of Jesus showing up in our stories. Because the whole point, the whole reason Jesus shows up in our story is because God loves us. I mean, Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost so that we could be found in him and and find a new kind of life in what he wants to give us. And he said he did this because we're loved. I mean, this is one of those great verses in the Bible, whether you're familiar with a lot of stuff in the Bible or not, probably somewhere in the culture you've heard this or seen this sign held up at a football game. John 3.16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. I mean, God could have simply looked at us and said, I love you, and not have done a thing. He could have said, oh, I love you so much. Man, good luck with that sin and death thing. I really hope it turns out well for you. But see, God did more than simply give us His words. He gave us His Son. He gave us Jesus. It's why Paul writes in Romans 5.8, he says that God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Like when we were at our rock bottom, God says, I love you so much, I'm going to meet you where you're at and do something through Jesus so that you can have the hope of new life again. And see, Jesus said something really amazing about the proof of love. In John 15, he says that no one has greater love than the one who's willing to give up their life for their friends. I mean, imagine if someone has done that for you. If somebody actually gave up their life to rescue you or protect you or or to make sure that you lived and it cost them their life to do that, would you ever doubt if that person loved you? And why do we do that with God so often? Why do we do that with Jesus? Because Jesus said those words hours before he went to the cross on our behalf. And so if, if Jesus is real, and if Jesus is for real, well then the question, does God love us, has been answered. Like, like decidedly answered for all time because Jesus is God's undeniable, irrevocable declaration of love for us. And no person, no circumstance, no situation, no pandemic can ever take that away or make that not a reality. And so wherever you're at right now, if you only hear me say one thing in our time together, hear these words. God loves you. God loves you. He is so into you. And then you know what my problem is? I can be so fickle with understanding that reality. Like it's so easy for me to let the momentary events distort the eternal reality of God's love for me. 
How about you? You wrestle with that too? See, I think it's so easy to let the temporary circumstances define God's love instead of the outstretched arms of Jesus. His arms stretched out wide to embrace us and bring us back into the hope of new life because we're loved. And see, I think when we begin to grasp that, grasp what God has done for us, grasp who Jesus is, grasp why Jesus is showing up in our stories, well, I think life is now a journey of discovering whether or not we love God in return. So how do you know? I mean, how do you know if you love Him? Well, I mean, how do you know if you love anyone? Or, or better yet, how do you know if someone loves you? I mean, doesn't their life reveal the answer? And if that's the case, then, then wouldn't it be that our lives would reveal the answer to the question of whether or not we love Him? Early on in our marriage, somebody gave a book to Christy and I that was really helpful in understanding the dynamic of love between us. And it's a book called The Five Love Languages. And, and, and so like, here's the premise of the book. The, the premise of the book is that we all desire to both experience and express love but we don't always communicate that love in the same way. And so the author of this book just kind of came up with some categories, what he calls these five love languages, and, and here they are. Words of affirmation would be one of those. So it's telling somebody how much you admire them or respect them or value them. Uh, another one would be acts of service. And so it's doing kind things that the other person feels loved because of what you've done for them. Another one would be gifts. So you give, someone, give something to someone because it matters to them. It, it lets them know, hey, I thought of you. This made me think of you. And, and it fills up their tank. Or quality time would be another example of one of these love languages. So I just want to be with you. And that just like means so much to a person. Or physical touch. Whether that's just the simplicity of affection or within the context of what God created for us, it's, it's sexual affection. But something about physical touch is also a way that people experience and express love. And so one of the premises of this book, the goal then in learning to love well is not to simply discover your love language, but to actually begin to discover the love language of the other person. So for instance, Christie's love languages are words of affirmation and quality time. And so if I can remember to be present with her and actually say things that are genuine to her, she knows that I'm loving her. In my love language, one of them is acts of service. And so when she does things that, that just help me feel more sane about life or whatever it would be, then I feel loved by her. And, and what we've had to learn to do in our relationship is to not simply demand that we be loved in our way by the other person, but to actually learn how to express love to the other person so they know that they are loved. Because, I mean, that's how you know if someone loves you. It's how you know because of what they are doing to demonstrate their love to you. So what if I told you Jesus has a love language? Like, what if I told you that he actually told us how we would demonstrate our love to him? Listen to what Jesus says about this in John 14, verse 12. Jesus says these words. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them 
are the ones who love me. So just hold on. The way that I show my love to you is by taking what you tell me about life and obeying it. And that's what Jesus says. And he, said, and he goes on and he says, and because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And it's not like we're not loved before this, but there's something about responding to Jesus by listening to him, by this obeying him that he's talking about that moves us deeper into the experiential reality of our love with him and God with him. And we actually discover more of who Jesus is by leaning into him. And now when Jesus says obey, he's not talking about some weird controlling dynamic in our life. Like he's trying to be a puppet master or he's just going to leash us up in the backyard because we're like wild dogs out of control. No, not at all. The obedience that Jesus is talking about is, is the response like a child to a parent of trust. So the question is, do we trust Jesus when he talks to us about life? Like, do we trust him? Do we trust that he knows what he's talking about? Do we trust that what he's calling us to is actually always for our good? Because what he actually wants for us is to lead us more fully into the freedom he's come to give us. To unleash us so that we can begin to live a better life, begin to live our best lives. And so when Jesus talks about life, what do you do? I mean, do you believe him? And do you trust him? And do you follow him? Because that's how we know if we really love him. Our love is expressed in our willingness to trust him. Which means that if we're serious about Jesus, we are into him, then we're going to listen to him when he talks to us about life. Which means that one of the things that we have to actually do is look at his words. Like open up the scriptures where he's speaking to us about life and, and read the, the accounts of his life, what we call the gospels, these good news stories of his life. And, and the amazing thing is that when you begin to discover Jesus and hear what he has to say about life, sometimes he's going to challenge us. Like sometimes Jesus says things that just are like, whoa, I don't, I don't know if I can do that, Jesus. Like, like, love my enemies? Like, Jesus, the reason I don't love my enemies is because they're my enemies. Turn the other cheek when someone has wronged me. Seek to serve other people. Like, Jesus, that seems really hard. And, and yet, if we're willing to listen to him, one of the things that we'll realize is that we need help if we're going to follow him. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he just doesn't simply call us to things that are difficult at times. He actually invites us to walk with him so he can teach us how to become like him. Like he promised he put his spirit inside of us, awakening, awakening us to desire the things he has for us and empowering us to live like that. And the amazing thing about beginning to walk with Jesus is that life becomes a beautiful love story. Life is a love story between us and God. And see, this is one of the things I think is so amazing about Joseph's story is that we're seeing this love story between God and Joseph. Like this is not a story of whether or not God loves Joseph. It's really a story of whether or not Joseph is going to love God, even when it's hard and even when it's difficult. 
And like every great love story, I think we're always waiting for that happily ever after moment. But in this moment for Joseph, it's really hard to imagine that that's even possible as he's heading off to prison. It's like, come on, look what happened. And maybe you're wrestling with that as you look at Joseph's story. And maybe that's how you feel about your life right now. Like you're not heading off to prison, but this pandemic is really tearing things down. And it just feels like you're losing freedoms left and right. And maybe you're thinking, well, you know, all that God and love stuff sounds great. I would love for my life to feel like a love story with God. But, but Joel, Joseph goes to prison. Like, if God's got it, if God's into him, why does that happen? And I think our deeper question with that is not simply, why does that happen to Joseph? I think it's, why does that happen to me? Like, why is it hitting the fan in my life? And yet what I'd want to tell you is just because life hits the fan doesn't mean that God is not good. Nor does it mean that His goodness will not one day overwhelm today's darkness. And we're going to see that unfold in Joseph's story. And see, I think we got to hold on to this reality that Jesus didn't go to the cross. He didn't defeat the grave on our behalf simply to abandon you and me in today's troubles. In fact, what Jesus says in John 16, he says, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And when you're with me, you're with the one who will overcome the darkness of life today. And see, I think here's something that is really interesting about Joseph's story. Joseph was going to go to prison no matter what he did. So do the thing that he did that we see in his story. Say no to Potiphar's wife. He's going to go to prison because she doesn't like this. And she's going to make up a story about him to get him in trouble. But had he made the other choice, had he actually decided to go for it with her, grab hold of some pleasure in this moment because I don't really care about honoring God, he's still going to prison because it's only a matter of time before trouble catches up with him. But I think in this love story between God and Joseph, Joseph understood something about doing the right thing, wanting to honor God. I think he understood that it was actually better to get into trouble with God on his side, because no trouble is beyond God. And look at what we see unfold in the story as we reach the end of the chapter, Genesis 39. We see that the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. And see, I think Joseph understood that it's better to be in trouble with God on your side than to be in trouble without God. And he could have gone to prison having forsaken God, but instead he's going to prison with God for him and God on his side. And see, I think that's the beautiful hope that we can apply into our life with Jesus. That when we walk with Jesus, we're walking with the one who has overcome and will overcome. Which means as we chase after him and face tough decisions in life, it's better to be in the trouble with Jesus 
than to be in trouble without Jesus. Because when we're in it with him, we're with the one who overcomes, the one who is still at work in our story. Come what may, we will win because Jesus is with us and he is for us. And so I hope you find encouragement today that whatever you're facing, the story is still being written and that he is with you. He is for you. He is so into you. So lean back into him. Listen as he's speaking to you about life and live out this love story because it's still being written. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for all of us right now as we continue in our service. And I just want to invite you to just take these words and maybe if you want to put your hands open or whatever that posture of prayer looks like for you, wherever you're at, just maybe echo this prayer in your heart as I pray. And so God, we want to ask you to move in our story. And Jesus, we we want to see the reality of your love lived out, not just to us, but reciprocated back to you. Because when we live in this love story with you, we experience you with us. And so would you help us to have eyes to see you in the midst of whatever we're facing? And would you give us ears to hear the things you want to tell us about who we are in life as it is? And would we have the courage to trust you as we walk with you? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.